1: you're you're listening to this, so you know full well that it's your boy, Craig, Craig, that's the only two pronunciations, Uh, Americans say Craig, I believe, because when Scottish people came to America, and they went, yo, bro, what's your name, they went, Craig, and they went, ah, Craig, Uh, I might have just made that up, but it makes sense from a sort of evolutionary standpoint, we're off to a good fucking waffle. Sometimes this is like my therapy, just having a little fucking waffle at the beginning of the podcast. It's me. It's your daily, not daily, weekly. And if I'm not even weekly, I would say it's bi-monthly. Is bi-monthly twice a month or is that every other month? This is, again, going swimmingly. But it's me. It's your Corona's charm. um, Here to get you through whatever you are trying to get through. What have I been doing? Absolutely fucking nothing. Uh no, actually I've been quite productive. Doing podcast shit, doing uh we did a blast beats dad cap uh to raise money for Black Protest Legal. Uh so thanks to everyone that picked one up, we made you made, I didn't do anything. I just facilitated uh about 1800 pounds for Black Protest u- Legal which is a charity that represents people who have been arrested, usually unfairly, um, at the Black Lives Matter protests in the UK. Um, when I recorded this podcast coming up, I don't want you to think the that we're sort of glossing over the fact, but I believe me and my guest this week, which is Brian Garris from Knock Loose, the singer of Knock Loose, we did this podcast on the day that, or the day after George Floyd was murdered. Um, stress the word murdered there because he was murdered in cold blood. Um, and so we sort of briefly talk about it, but not as much as you would imagine us to talk about it. Um, and that's not because I've recorded it today. It's because it was literally, it had just happened. And even having said that, when we hung up, um, Brian told me he was going to a protest that evening. Um, which you wouldn't really expect from someone like like a band like Knock Loose. Um, but, yeah, what a guy. Uh, so I guess I've sort of ruined my bit where I go, my guest this week is Brian Garris, singer of Knock Loose. Um, I caught up with him. He's a lovely little man. I'm going to say man, but he's quite, he's quite young. He's not the youngest in that band, but he is quite young. What a fucking band, though. Knock Loose, best band in metalcore right now. You heard it here first. What did we talk about? We talked about his unlikely goal to be an English teacher, which I guess he's kind of fucked up now. We spend about 20 minutes talking about various service stations and their food in America, and actually all over the world we talk about that. Um, We talk about recording in Belleville with Graphic Nature, Will Putney at Graphic Nature, um... Because we both recorded there. He's got a cracking ghost story about that, about that same place. The follow-up to the Pisco story from the Tom Williams podcast. So if you haven't heard that, go and listen to that. And you can get like a ghost double bill, like Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2. I believe I mentioned Ghostbusters 2 in last week's podcast. So maybe that'll be a theme. And what else did we talk about? We talked about uh, some tragic conditions that led to... Uh, knock loose donating ten thousand pounds ten thousand dollars to victims of domestic abuse um, we just generally had a chat about why why is band so big and why is such a nice guy and I probably talked a bit of shit what can I do what can I plug um, if you're listening to this in the future on June the 26th there is a new drop of DownBeat merch at www.thedownbe.at, so it spells DownBeat, summer range. I've got shorts, stage shorts slash gym shorts. They're short shorts, they're camo, um, and they are custom-made. They're not just a blank that I've embroidered on. They're like a little embroidered stick pentagram, um, custom-made to make your quads look big, um, be good for playing in. They've got like a mesh lining uh, so you don't have to wear boxers when you play live because it annoys me ruining boxers on tour. So it's basically got like an, a pair of boxers built in. they dry fast. Um, what else we have we got? We've got snapbacks, new range of hoodies, T-shirts. Hopefully that's out by e now. I mean, it won't be if you are listening to this on release day, but if you're listening to this a week after it, go and get something, please. If you don't like any of the clothes or you simply are a naked person, but you're like, you know what? I want to help. This motherfucker right here, there's a little donate button on the website. Uh, Or don't, or just enjoy this on uh, notfest.com or wherever else you're listening to it. Please let me know where you're listening to it. You got me on Instagram, you got me on Twitter, you want all my links, you just go to onlyflams.com because that's where I put all my links because it was funny. So if you think that's a joke, I do actually own onlyflams.com and when you go there it's just a list of things about me it's quite arrogant really um brian garris on the downbeat podcast brian garris what's up from knock loose how are you doing good how are you i'm good mate we finally did it yeah finally it took a minute where are you what time is it what's going on um i'm in louisville
0: kentucky it is 1 p.m um i woke up probably an hour and a half ago got some coffee and now i'm just chilling what coffee did you get i swear you don't like
1: coffee
0: uh i came around to it i would say probably yes yeah probably within the last like year or two i I went from um being like the milkshake guy to like actually enjoying coffee more and more and recently ever since the weather's been getting better i've been drinking uh lemonade cold brew Ooh, bougie Yeah. yeah i don't know if you've had that but i have yeah you get a lot of weird like remarks when you ask ask for it at a coffee place but um now my spot is like pretty used to me asking for it.
1: So I mean I've had a cold brew tonic before as well which is like what some of the super hipster places have and I fucking hated it. But the cold brew lemonade is actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, I like it. I know that people also do the like um orange juice and espresso.
1: Um I don't hate that either. I can I can't think of anything worse. Anything orange <laughs> flavor I just fucking hate. Like if you put orange in chocolate, I'm out.
0: Yeah. I don't like orange and chocolate, but um, the espresso and orange juice wasn't too bad.
1: I think is it, orange and chocolate a big thing in America? It's fucking massive over here. I wouldn't say massive, um,
0: but I, I've definitely. I mean, seen I'm not it.
1: saying it's not like McDonald's big, but yeah, <laughs> it's fucking people are fucking with it here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen it, but um, probably worse things. More popular here.
1: Yeah, guns. Uh, yeah, <laughs> literally. Let's not, go stri- let's not go straight in on that.
0: Um, didn't we get coffee so- in Europe? I swear when we played that show in Bristol, you, me, and Ellie. <gasps> um,
1: okay, and that is when I found out that you'd got back into coffee. But yeah. I remember like, when we toured with Stick Your Guns, you guys stray. Stig, in America, I remember you hating coffee because it really stuck in my head. I yeah, was like, this I was, guy, this I guy needs fully, to get into it.
0: I was fully like a milkshake guy.
1: And here you are. Yeah, we did get coffee, me, you and Elliot. Oh, it was fucking good coffee as well, but I hadn't slept at all that night. I was literally on another planet.
0: Yeah, you all also had that, like, terrible surprise drop and go. Oh, my
1: God. Honestly, the worst... My worst... I mean, obviously, you know, people have fucking horrible accidents and shit on tour, but luckily I haven't had that. But in terms of, like, worst... Like, in worst inconvenient days on tour, I think that one is top three, if not number one. Yeah. I mean... We had to fucking... We got to the venue. You guys were already there, because it was... We just... For anyone listening... Not Lose had a tour. Stray had a tour. We're both playing in Bristol on the same day because people are idiots. So we decided to be put the shows together. And it became like one insane lineup. Can you remember the whole lineup? Um, I can try. I know that from our tour package, we had Justice for
0: the Damned, Renounced, um, Malevolence, and Us. And then from your old tour package, it was like Loathe, um, Gideon, The Devil
1: Wears Prada, Stray... All on one fucking show, yeah. Which sat, which was sick, and the show was fucking unbelievable. But the venue, S what was it, SWX or whatever it's called in yeah. Bristol, didn't have parking for two buses. So by the time our bus got there, we had to go. We parked. I think it was like five miles away. It was something stupid, and we cross loaded all the gear at nine a.m. And it was a in surprise, a fucking right? Yeah, didn't know anything about it. It was just some guy got on the bus or knocked on the bus at 9 a.m. It was like, "Yep, yeah, <coughs> I'm your loader. And um, we cross-loaded four bands worth of gear in a fucking Volkswagen, one of the little ones. I can't remember what they're called. No, Mercedes Vito, one of those little tiny vans. And it took five trips. The rest of us had to get Ubers. But it was worth it. It was a great show. I remember at the end of that show, Tom left his
0: uh, stage clothes and I had to... Uh I Ubered them to him but without me. Wow. Like I like Tom called an Uber to the venue and when he got there I was like, Hey, I'm just putting these clothes in here and the guy <laughs> the guy when you get to the drop off point there's gonna be a guy that's just gonna get them out.
1: <laughs> did did you at least like lay them out as if they were a person in shotgun?
0: <laughs> no, but I wish I did. They were like it was they were his show clothes, so they probably didn't smell great.
1: But you had you must have had his show hat and his shoes as well, so you fully could have dressed it yeah. like an invisible person. <laughs> that would have been so insane.
0: I do remember that the guy the Uber driver was noticeably high, like his car mm. just his car reeked of weed, and so to him the situation was probably way weirder.
1: I've had that a couple of times with Uber drivers actually, where well, they've just been mega high.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just
1: drive around and smoke all day. Yeah, is that legal? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know if it's legal. I mean, I don't give a fuck, because I know personally, I don't smoke weed anymore, but if... If I was... I never did it, but I imagine driving on weed, like, you're just scared of everything, so you're probably less likely to cause an accident. Um, Don't hold me to that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't smoke weed anymore either, but... And I don't think that I ever had a license when I did, so... Are you straight edge? I am now, yeah, as of, um, I think it's like been two and a half years since I claimed.
1: Nice. Nice. I'm nursing a raging hangover, so there's not much, (laughs) there's not really much middle ground to talk about there between the two of us.
0: That's fine. I mean, I've definitely been there. I feel like I claimed at um, 25 or 24, I guess, because I had tried everything I wanted to and... Learned that I didn't like it firsthand.
1: Fair play. I mean, I I think I probably from, I reckon 16 to 20, probably 21, which, oh, fuck, I guess in America, one's the age you can actually drink anyway. But in the UK, it's like 18, but everyone does it from 15. Yeah. I think from 16 to 21, I was relatively teetotal just practicing drums and then like always because of the gym and stuff I've been like I'll sometimes I do whole tours where I don't drink or whatever but this lockdown shit is getting to me so I'm just like you know what it's 2 in the afternoon I'm gonna have a shot of Patron
0: yeah cause why and not yeah. I mean there's nothing else to do
1: literally I've got nothing to do I've got nowhere to drive to I've got nothing to fucking I've been anyway, playing video depra-
0: games with uh, Tom and he's like Somebody will say something about, like, the day of the week, and Tom's just like, "Nah, every day is Sunday. Until I can go on tour again, every day is Sunday.
1: I feel like he's low-key loving it.
0: I don't know. I mean,
1: he's loving... I mean, his, I, like... he's definitely not, actually, because of the stress, because of managing so many bands. Yeah. Um, in fact, I take that back. He's definitely not loving it. <laughs> but I know he loves Sundays, is all I meant by that.
0: He loves... Um streaming, I think that that's been a really productive way to keep, his, keep him busy.
1: Yeah, and it's fucking sick that he started doing it because... And he's got his own Twitter and stuff now because he's very funny.
0: He's so funny. And,
1: and he's like hidden behind just like the stray account. Yeah. But that man there is a personality, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Here's my thing with what video games you've been playing. Um, So I
0: quit Fortnite recently because... Uh, it's the only thing that I've done for three years consistently that I never got good at. Um, so it was time to just put it away. Um, and I, I've I've always preferred, like, story mode games. Um, right. So, like, I've been playing, like, the Resident Evil remasters. And I... Nice. I, I just started uh, Resident Evil 7.
1: Mm. That game is fucking insane. Yeah. We had it on... In the back lounge on that tour actually um we had it in the back lounge and me tom and Nick would just play it at like 3 a.m all just screaming like girls terrified yeah it's and then so i got scary. i got home and i bought the vr version and i just can't play it i'm oh, too yeah. scared
0: yeah i don't think that i could either it's fucking terrifying um i've also been playing like um the uncharted games which is basically just like a, it's like indiana jones
1: oh, yeah i think i know the one i wish i could get more into video games like the concept i love and i love like i'm the opposite i love like competitive online playing and shit but my attention span just goes for single player my attention span is dog shit like you know the last of us everyone says it's the best game on fucking earth yeah got it and i was just like about halfway through i was just like ah i just can't be bothered
0: that's actually my favorite game of all time it's everyone's so what's wrong with me (laughs) i don't know i mean i feel that way about like online competitive games like fortnite was the first online multiplayer game that i ever played like i remember when i was Younger and, like, Halo was the biggest thing ever, I played the story mode and same with, like, Call of Duty. So Fortnite was the first online multiplayer game I ever played and now that, like, Warzone and Apex and all these other ones are popping up, I just have, like, zero interest.
1: I can't stand the Battle Royale model. Like, I quite liked it in Fortnite, but all these, like call of duty having battle royale and like i just don't i don't know what guns are good there's the the learning curve is too fucking high so everyone's like Do you want to play and then i play and it's like okay i have no idea what's going on yeah oh, i need to collect absolutely. collect fucking shield tokens and all that bullshit yeah people that have been playing
0: call of duty their entire life and then i'm bad at Fortnite, so i try a harder game like warzone and i'm playing against people that are so much better than me it's just like not i would rather play a story mode and like cry to the last of us the whole
1: time yeah i always like skip the cutscenes and stuff except for resident evil games like i think that's why i didn't get into the last of us it was like do you want to skip the cutscene? and i was like yeah sure <laughs> so i didn't even know what was fucking going on i was like i get it it's like it's his kid but it's not his kid it's someone else's kid his kid's dead yeah some zombies mushrooms it zombie mushrooms that was about it <laughs> yeah um let's let's actually talk about your band for a bit um you were in hang on were you in Europe and you flew home or were you about to fly and you didn't before this fucking bullshit happened
0: so i was uh, about to fly um but it was like i had to be at the airport in an hour when i got the text Oh so, my god! So my bags were packed and I was like ready to go. And in my head, I was like, "There's no way a tour is gonna get canceled." Like it just never seemed like a possibility for me. And um, I got the text that it was canceled, and I I immediately got in the car and drove two hours to Indiana to see Terror and Kublicon. And I remember like. I drove there with Taylor and both of my brothers, and when I got there, the two hours that it took me to get to the venue, I received a text message that was just a screenshot of Trump putting the travel ban on, so, like, I would have been, like, one hour into the flight to Europe. I would have gotten off the flight to, like, absolute mayhem
1: and, and like, just had to go straight back.
0: Yeah, I would have had to just not even leave the airport and just and also like I know our manager was like our manager had a band that he manages in um Europe at that same time. They had already been there for a while. So he was scrambling. So like I am we are lucky that we didn't end up going and it got canceled before but um I know that this band in particular was there and they watched flights go from like $600 to $1,200 in an hour.
1: That's fucking insane. Yeah, fucking. Um, that band Unity from Texas. Oh, yeah. Tom Managers. Small band. Like, a fucking amazing band. I love that band. And they were like, it's their first Euro tour ever. And they were like one show in, I think. And they were just stuck. And yeah. obviously, a small band has already paid for visas and stuff. They don't have like they don't have the money for the flights back so Tom's scrambling around to do all that shit was fucking insane
0: yeah it's crazy I actually um, Jay from Unity the singer the first time that Knocked Loose ever played Texas we stayed at his apartment
1: oh sick yeah so we've I fucking love that band
0: we've known him for a long time Um, also something else about um, just like almost being in Europe during all of this we were actually in Southeast Asia Um, in January slash February when everything was like reaching its peak for the outbreak in Asia. Like it was before it really branched to the U.S. I think that there were like less than 100 confirmed cases in the U.S., but there was like we were literally following it in Asia. Like we we played um, Indonesia, and we would hear like, oh, confirmed cases in Malaysia. And we were like, all right, well, we're we're going to Malaysia tomorrow, so fingers crossed. And then it would be like, oh, confirmed cases in Singapore. And we are like, okay, well, that's tomorrow, so fingers crossed. Like, we literally followed it the entire time.
1: Did anyone get sick? Um, Not like corona sick, but like sick where you could think,
0: what's that, corona? So Taylor did when we got home, um, because I kept telling myself, if we make it home, I'm fine. Well, after Southeast Asia, we went to Japan, which is like the cleanest place on earth. So I was like, if we make to Japan, we're fine and we don't have anything to worry about. And then we made it to Japan and I was like, all right, we're in the clear. And then we came home. And as soon as we got home, Taylor got like very, very sick. And I know that a lot of people are like, oh, it could have been like I could have had it. I could have had it. So I don't want to like feed into that. But um, I definitely think that it's a possibility just because like I mean, you've played Southeast Asia. Those shows, like, the conditions are...
1: <laughs> the hygiene is, uh... It's, like... I mean, now, because of this whole, like, being programmed to for cleanliness, wash your hands, fucking two-meter distance, it actually seems insane that those shows are ever allowed to happen. But, yeah, fuck, and I hope that they come back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it was, like... It was our first time and so I'm, I'm dealing with the culture shock and at the same time, the only thing I'm seeing on Twitter is that this virus is killing everybody and then we're in Malaysia and we go to like this, we're, we're driving from one city to the other and we stop at a rest stop and there's like a food court in this rest stop and the people that were driving us are like, you can eat here. So we walk in and there's like a hundred people and they're shoulder to shoulder at picnic tables and they're eating um with their bare hands which is like it's normal for them but it's just so foreign to me and and i was like yeah this isn't happening like i can't eat here um and then so and then you play the shows and um you you're you get to interact with all these fans and it's just like hours of you talking and shaking hands and hugging and I was like, yeah, we're if, like, if we're, it's definitely a possibility that we could get it. And then we came home, and um, as soon as Taylor started feeling bad, we went to the doctor. um, And they asked, like, they always ask, like, have you have you traveled abroad in the last sixty days or whatever? And Taylor told them, yes. And when she started listing off all the places that we had been, they looked at her like she was an insane person. And, um, they immediately put, took us back into a room and they started doing these tests on her. And then they were like, we think that you have the flu. And she was like, can you test me for coronavirus? And the, this was before that it, this was before it was like really big in America. And, um, the doctor was like, oh no, that's a China thing. You haven't been to China. And we were like, we've been to all these places that have confirmed cases. And she was like, Yeah, but you haven't been to China, you're fine. And like didn't get And
1: I'm sure one of your connecting flights would have went to China. Like there's no way. Or like, yeah, fuck me, that doctor is a psycho.
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And then she ended up being sick for like for like four weeks and uh
1: Oh, there's no way anyone is picking up the flu in Southeast Asia when it's fucking like summer over there. Yeah. Like she had it.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: I mean, I know Pete. I'm not going to name him on here because I hate the whole um, fucking like Metal Sucks and... Lam- I, I love Metal Sucks and Lambo, but like the whole... Uh, this person has corona. This person from this band has corona. And it's like... Yeah. It's just like clickbait shit. But I know loads of people that that had it and have got over it thanks yeah same i also know people who's had like family members die from it so i'm not saying it's not a big deal but same yeah i don't want i don't want the clickbait shit um let's fucking stop talking about corona then because it depresses the fuck out of me and i don't want to have i already had have I've had so many conversations with people where we, all we do is talk speculate like what do you think is going to happen duh, 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 duh. W- will we be able to stage dive guh, guh, guh. and it's like <laughs> no one fucking knows i yeah. fucking hate it No one knows. Let's just talk about... Let's talk about your band and how you're the fucking biggest metalcore band on fucking earth right now. (laughs) Well, thanks. Um, And you're all little baby boys. How old are you? Uh, I turned 27 this year. Oh, you're old. You're an old one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What's the rest of the the band? You look like 22, though. That's good. I'm glad that you think that. Um, I'm so jealous. uh, But yeah, Kevin is... um, already 27 he'll be 28 next year um and then the rest of them are fairly young like paxton i think is 24 and then isaac and cole excuse me isaac and cole are 22
1: jesus that's so sick though young bands doing doing shit isaac started Um, touring when he was
0: um i think he did his first tour when he was 15
1: Maybe sixteen. It's mad though because Isaac actually looks the oldest. Isaac yeah. and Pac look the oldest.
0: Yeah, Kevin looks old.
1: I don't think he does though. I think like under the beard, there's still like a and the hair, there's still like a little boy face.
0: Yeah, maybe. Just weathered oh, by I, Red Bull.
1: You could tell me Isaac was thirty and I'd go, Yeah, that guy's thirty. Yeah. Like a like a not old looking thirty, just like there's a thirty year old man. Yeah. He's got that fucking... He's got that DHT. Yeah. uh, It's like a fucking... uh, It's a thing in testosterone that makes you manly. Oh. But also makes your hairline recede. Sorry, Isaac. Um, (laughs) When did Knock Loose form then? Um, We... I kind of just used the first
0: show as like um, the starting point, which is in 2013 just because it's it's kind of hard to say when me Isaac and Kevin started playing together it originated with just the three of us and um, it was like at first it was totally just like a hobby like I was in college and I told them that I didn't really want to take take it too serious because I had done bands before and now I was kind of like in college and trying to, to go that route. And I actually like got Isaac connected with another band that was touring so that he could pursue it still, and then just do us on the side or whatever. And, um, so we played together for, uh, years before we ever actually like picked a sound and played a show. It was just really jamming. And then, um, 2013, we played our first show. 2014, we did our first tour.
1: What was your first tour? Um, well, Isaac's 15 at this point? No, I, Isaac was probably
0: 16, 17, um, but okay. he had already toured with the... Like, 2014, he's probably like 16, 17, but he had toured with his older band. Um, they toured in a two-door Ford Explorer sport. Um. But then our, nice. our first tour was actually um us and Greyhaven, which is a band that oh, sick. Tom works with. Yeah. So Greyhaven's from Louisville and Isaac actually played guitar in Grey Haven and um he helped start Greyhaven and he helped write their first album, Cult America. And um to when they they had like an old van from prior bands, so we like both bands shared the van. And we did like a two week summer tour in two thousand fourteen and that was um that was kinda when I decided to like stop going back to college. I was like, Yeah, this is kinda what I I would like to do this for a little while if if it's a possibility.
1: Right. So have you ever thought about going back to college? You don't have to now.
0: Well, I've thought about um taking like online courses. I actually think about it pretty often. Um I would say probably once a year at least. Just because I don't know, I don't want to be negative, but like if something were to ever happen and I just wouldn't want to have to start from scratch. Um and like I did kind of realize what I wanted to go to college for, which is something that I would still very much be interested in. Um and I just think that it would kind of be smart to have a backup plan.
1: Okay, what's that? What's what's the college
0: I wanted to be a, an English teacher. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I just connected I mean, really well with a with an English teacher that I had in high school, and I think that it was a very, like... I don't know. It's, it's a really cool position to play in somebody's life because right at high school is like... Right when you have the opportunity to really connect with somebody and and leave a lasting impression. And I think in college it's too like um like it's not personal enough and
1: middle school they're too young and it's a noble profession. I actually got on really well with my English teacher as well. Initially. And then I had one that I didn't like so much. But I get it. But the problem is your band is gonna be massive for a long time. So you're not gonna get to do it, I'm afraid mate. Um, and,
0: also, <laughs> and that's okay this is still like
1: uh, Oh so this is your second place yeah <laughs> I will take being how many tickets did you do at the house of blues
0: which one I mean
1: we did the, uh, fucking, the, the biggest one yeah, when you one, did the big one the big fucker the biggest one was
0: Anaheim house of blues I think that's a 2300 cap
1: crazy definitely yeah, crazy you ain't doing do English motherfucker They got
0: sorry they got a skateboard on the wall now.
1: What, a knock-loose one?
0: Yeah, like, when, when you sell out Anaheim House of Blues, they make you a skateboard that has, like, the flyer of your show, and they put it on the wall, so, like, when you go... Excuse me, sorry. When you go to that House of Blues, like, in the main hallway, the walls are covered in skateboards that are of all the shows that have happened there, and we have one up there now. That is so fucking sick. Yeah, it's who awesome. are you
1: next to? Do you know?
0: Um, I don't because I haven't been there since we played. Fair. I hope somebody's sick. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's got to be someone at least good. Um, the first time I ever heard your band, I can't be the guy that says that they heard the EP. I didn't hear the EP. The first time I heard it was, in fact, no, I did hear the EP because the late Tom Searle showed me it. Um, he was a big fucking, an early Knock Loose fan. I've i heard, I've heard um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and he showed me it, actually. And then I forgot about it. No offense. And then Will Putney showed me it. When I was in America, I think we were doing the tour with someone else. And uh, I think Tom had... Oh, no, Will Will Putney had he was mixing Oblivion's Peak um, and just put it on in the car and it fucking blew me away. (laughs) The tempo change. And then I think it blew everyone else away and then here we are. (laughs) Well, thank you, yeah. What... um, We're not going to talk about the old album because there's no fucking point, but there's some interesting stories on the new album. We can share some... uh, some ghostly activity can we not (laughs) yeah we can there's a few things i want to talk about in regards to new album so you record at machine shop it's not machine shop fuck i'm sorry will putney will putney will putney i'm so sorry i'm so sorry (laughs) graphic nature which used to be machine shop um and you have i mean stray has had some sort of we're on the Tom episode we talk about, we were sure we were like haunted by like a piss ghost. Yeah. Where we would wake up, me and Tom would wake up, maybe it was just in our room. We'd wake up at insane times just th- bursting for a piss. In Tom's word, feverishly yeah. needing to piss. <laughs> needing to piss. And we just have to run to the toilet and the toilet's so far away, uh, at Graphic Nature. It's so fun. Um, and then you got you what the fuck were you in town for? You'd finished recording, but you were there for some reason when we were recording with your brothers.
0: Yeah, so we we like um, we were trying out like a light rig. Taylor does our lights as well, and we that's it. I we, yeah, remember we rented from somebody in New Jersey, so we we just drove up. We me and my brothers try to do that every now and then. We call them road trips where we just like drive somewhere for whatever reason just to kind of get them out of kentucky a little bit more the other day two days ago we drove to west virginia just to eat sheets
1: holy shit how far is that like three hours yeah what did you get i got two um
0: chicken sliders with mac and cheese bites on them oh, fuck yeah. and uh mozzarella sticks with dr pepper barbecue sauce
1: oh okay sheets wow wow bucky's rate them
0: uh she- one,
1: one, two, three. gold silver bronze
0: sheets number one bucky's number over two over bucky's yeah I, so i'm i don't know why but bucky's was like a a secret to us for a long time like i didn't know what bucky's was and then so i've only been there twice so it's like there's still a lot of amazing. the menu to explore um but like sheets is just like I ride hard for sheets.
1: Everybody I would take, in does. I'll take sheets over Wawa, but I would take Bucky's over all of them. Yeah.
0: I really like Wawa the, too, but it's definitely third place.
1: Yeah. And they are like the holy the holy three. If anyone's from the UK, which is actually about half of the listeners, um, these are service stations but they have, like, insane menus and everything gets made for you. Think, like, Subway, but not shit. And Bucky's has, like, a fucking brisket counter and shit. Bucky's is, is is like, a mall
0: with gas pumps in front of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, like, branded. It's a beaver, isn't it? Yeah. Every item of branded merch you could possibly have, like, pajamas, fucking Rice Krispie Treats, everything.
0: It's crazy to explain to people that don't tour your obsession with these places, because it's like, the other day I had to tell my mom that we were driving three hours to go to a gas station. (laughs) Like, I was like, I gotta stop and get gas on our way to this gas station, and...
1: (laughs) That's so fucking funny.
0: But it's just different. I know, like, there's, like, Thorntons and Speedways that are trying to, like, emulate that model around uh where i live and like offer food and they have like the touchscreen kiosks and everything and it's just like it's not the same
1: where's that around by you
0: um in louisville some of the gas stations like the brand new gas stations will have like a side that serves
1: food uh yeah but it's never the same
0: yeah it's not
1: how much does the uk fucking suck for gas station food It's literally the worst place on earth. I'm not yeah, I don't like it. I
0: don't like the um the like display sandwiches. Oh
1: they're just so shit. And you just can't get anything warm. There's nothing like freshly made unless you want a Burger King.
0: You all have that one spot though,
1: um is it Greg's? Greg's vegan steak bake, vegan sausage roll. Yeah, Yeah. That place goes hard. And Greg's actually—they're opening more Greg's in service stations. So, in fact, Greg's is probably Greg's do a vegan steak bake. It's probably going to be the first thing I eat when, like, when small non-essential businesses open back up here. Yeah, fucking rips. Right, we're literally talking about food now. We still need to talk about your fucking band. Okay, right, we're in the studio. We both record at the same studio in Belleville, New Jersey. Belleville is the first song on your album is called Belleville. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know Belleville, it's basically where everything in The Sopranos happens. I only found that out the other day. It also sucks. It sucks, but it's kind of sick.
0: Like... It's sick because I thoroughly enjoy the studio. Like, I know some people don't like being locked up in the studio for a long time, but like, I love it. I think it, it's probably definitely different for like drummers because like you record, sometimes you record first and then you're literally just sitting there for like 30 days. But, um, I just love being in like the creative atmosphere. So like, I definitely will tolerate Belleville to be at the studio. But like statistically yeah. it's not great.
1: Here's the thing though, for me it has everything I need from life. Like <laughs> there's always fucking sweet hangs and making music in the studio with people who are funny as fuck. Shout out Randy, shout out Steve. Yeah. Um, and then there's a fucking insanely good gym down the street. So I get that out of the way. I the get my Planet music Fitness? Out of the way. I get my gym out of the way. No, 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 no. You go the other way. You go left out of the door and then left again. And up that street, there's a fucking insane, huge gym um, called Signature Fitness, actually. Shout out Signature Fitness, actually, because they let me and Tom in and Andy from Eat It all the time for free. It's fucking sick. Um, And then you got, like, BGL for a nice breakfast sandwich. I got food. I got gym. I got drums. Um, That's it. That's me watered. That's as a plant that's all I need
0: yeah I mean but yeah I, I do, it, it's a
1: grey place if I lived there maybe things would be different but it's yeah. like a little weird vacation musical vacation um, um
0: me, Will and Randy got matching Belleville tattoos oh, I'm so jealous and
1: it's like um
0: you play CeeLo right yep it's the it's three dice one, two, three with Belleville underneath it
1: Nice, nice subtle, uh, subtle Belleville loser tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking sick. Where did you get that? Did you get it in Belleville, or did you go to Montclair?
0: We went to Montclair just because um, it's more trustworthy. It's a good,
1: <laughs> it's a good tattoo place. Yeah, we oh, went to Montclair's the place. Got that fucking ramen place as well. Oh, I love yeah. New Jersey. Annie Ramen. <sighs> fuck it's so good
0: I could I could we could have a whole podcast talking about food it's one of my favorite things on earth um, and I think that that area has got so many good food places and you don't even have to leave you can just postmates at all
1: I wish I was at the studio right now I'm honestly thinking about if like they open up travel and stuff and I open the borders and I'm just bored I might just come to America hang out at the studio for a bit maybe just fucking fly to a bunch of different places and just fucking have a little, like, I'll do all the stuff that I do on tour except actually play a show. Yeah. Just, and, which is basically eat and go to different gyms.
0: Just go to the studio and write a record with Randy.
1: That would be fucking sick as well. I will just come and just annoy people. I actually have mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff I want to pick up from the studio because I don't know when the next time we're going to be touring is and it's, like, just sat there. So, I'm actually going to do that. Anyway, let me talk about your fucking goddamn band. (laughs) Um, You recorded it at Belleville. Um, Is it in the walls that's about what happened? Yeah, inspired by. Inspired by. Talk me through it.
0: I'm not really good at writing about, like... I don't know. But when... So... We wrote and recorded the record there, but it was in three different like sessions. We were just like, we were touring off of um, laugh tracks for so long that it was time to work on a new record. But we just don't say no to tours, so we we just are never home to write. So finally, we like booked time at the studio to just write, um, and it ended up saving the record. And we all just went up there for like two weeks. And just jammed every single day and got a whole bunch of songs. We left for probably six months, came back for another two weeks, jammed on a bunch of songs, um, left, came back six months later, and then recorded for a month. So the second writing session, Will wasn't even there. He was in Hawaii, I think. Um, and So we had the studio to ourselves, essentially, and we would write every single day kind of on the schedule of like, wake up, eat breakfast, write a song, eat lunch, write a song, play video games and go to sleep. And that was every day. But it slowly got pushed back later and later into the day. So one night we're writing and it's about like um, probably like 10, 11 o'clock and we get done. And we all go downstairs, and um, I'm giving you, like, the very detailed version of the story just because this is kind of the first time that I've talked about it um, where, like, other people will be listening and not just to a friend. Um,
1: yeah, this is good. That's what we want. So... Fill the fucking air. Yeah.
0: So, if you haven't been to the studio, which I'm assuming most of your listeners haven't, um, the living room area... And the kitchen area couldn't be more opposite. Like, the living room is downstairs all the way to the left. The kitchen is upstairs all the way to the right. Um, so Cole is in the kitchen by himself making making dinner. And all of us are downstairs, like, playing video games, whatever. Cole calls Paxson, and he's like, Hey, can you ask um, Randy if I can have one of his uh, LaCroix? So, Paxson's like, yeah, hold on. And he goes over and asks Randy. Randy says, yes. He comes back and he picks up his phone and he says, Paxson's phone, thanks for holding. And Paxson hears like a woman laughing um, at that comment. And he was like, hello. And he assumed that um, Cole was just on the phone with somebody else and just like added Paxson to ask the question. So Paxson was like, hello? And Cole was like, hello? And he was like, Cole? And he said, Paxson, did you ask Randy? And then Paxson heard a woman laugh at that exchange again. And Paxson was like, who's on the phone? And he was like, nobody. What are you talking about? So he finishes making his dinner and he comes downstairs and Paxson's like, who were you on the phone with? And he was like, nobody. I was on the phone with you. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you didn't hear that. Like, it sounded like somebody else was on the phone and Cole like showed him his like call log. And he was like, nobody was on the phone. Like, um, so like, whatever they end up like going to a bar that night. Um, and they get back pretty late. So the next day we start our writing, um, a little bit later. And then, we stop and have dinner and then we start writing again. And at this point, this is like the latest we wrote probably while we were there, but it was like, we started writing probably at 11 or midnight or between there or something. And, um, Pax on, we were kind of just talking out some ideas for a song or whatever. Like we, we had like a big whiteboard that had all these like notes and like things that we wanted out of this writing process. And, um, Paxton brought up like the night before like uh, just hearing on un- somebody on the phone and he was like maybe somebody's here and and I was like yeah it's the woman in the walls she's following you and I just said that to be funny like to give this like joke a personality I was just like it's the woman in the yeah. walls this is the first thing that I thought of and we were like oh that's creepy so we were like Oh, let's write a scary song, and like we we turned off all the lights in the in the jam room, and we lit a bunch of candles, and uh, we started writing like quote unquote a scary song, and um, that song ended up being in the walls. And while we're writing it, like we we just jam when we write, so like somebody's like, oh, I got this riff, and we like put drums to it, and we're like sitting there jamming, and like. Um, Paxson has headphones in that have the cabs so that he can like hear everything equally. Yeah. And while he's playing, it starts to pick up like radio static, which isn't uncommon at all for like amps to pick up a radio signal. It's just like, it just added to the fact that we were like kind of spooked out. And when you're spooked out, you do things to make yourself even more spooked out. So like Paxson's like, I've got radio, I've got radio, and, like, we're we're creeped out, so we're, like, whatever, we keep playing, and then, like, while Paxson's drumming, he, like, shoots up, he stands up from his throne, and we all stop playing, and he's, like, something touched my leg, something touched my fucking leg, like, he's, like, freaking out, and he's looking down on the ground, and we're, like, what are you talking about, and he's, like, something touched my leg, he's shining his flashlight up into the the rafters because like the ceiling is unfinished so it's kind of open and like he's shining his flashlight on the ground and like thinking maybe something fell from the ceiling and we're all like what the fuck like this is so creepy whatever and then like randy walks through um to go to the kitchen or something and as soon as he walked in the room we were like is this place haunted and he was like what do you mean and i was like just answer the question is this place haunted and he was like I don't know, like... It's an old-ass, like, warehouse. We hear stuff all the time, like... And we were like, well, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And, like, while we're telling Randy all the things that have happened so far... Um... Paxson's like, down by his drum set, looking and looking to see if anything may maybe had fallen. Um... And finally, he, like, shoots up, and he's like, I found it. And it was like, Paxson wears a bracelet... And it was the cross from his bracelet had fallen off um, while he was drumming, but the it was completely clasped. Like he ended up having to to break it and fold it back over the bracelet to get it to go back on. Like there's just no way that it could have slipped off. And I was like, it's the woman in the walls, and everybody was like, the woman in the walls, and Randy was like, what do you mean, woman in the walls? And I was like, oh, it's just like a an, a funny name that I gave it. And he was like, that's super weird because like right behind the drums, th- there's like a, a a a shelf of snare drums that go all across the back wall in the big jam room, and there's a doorway there. And he was like, that's like a room, and they like drywalled it off. So like behind <laughs> PacSun, there's like a room in the walls. And I was like... It's a woman in the fucking walls. I was like, she's fucking with Paxson and she's right behind Paxson. And like, we were freaking out at this point. Um, just like fully spooked and also just like hype that like all these things are lining up coincidentally. Um,
1: being the children that you are. Yeah. So, at a, at a sleepover. Yeah.
0: Literally. And, um, so at this point, we have to finish the song. So, um, we keep jamming and we finish it, and um, you, I don't know how familiar you are with the song, but at the end of the song, it ends with like a really weird like melodic guitar thing. Well, when we originally yeah. when we originally wrote it, it didn't end with that. It just ends with the breakdown, um, and. I went into Will had it all set up to where um, everything was mic'd and we could record our jam sessions. So we would write a song and then I would go and press the space bar and it would record them playing it live so that we could listen back to it. So I was like, All right, I'm gonna run in here and record it and I went into the control room that has like a window looking into the to the jam room and I record them playing the like roughest version of the song that we had so far, and at the end, without announcing it or like saying that it was an idea of his, Cole just like played this melodic thing, and like it was it was weird. Like he didn't tell us he was going to do it, so we were all looking at him, and I'm like looking through the window, and I'm like signaling him to keep going because I thought that it was really cool, and um, it was like unscripted and like unplanned i don't even think if it's really a riff that he wrote it's just like if you listen to it it's we ended up for the album version we ended up using the demo version of cole's guitar for that specific part just because it was like it doesn't really stay in tempo it it like it doesn't have a a specific number of times that it goes through he was literally just like um going off the top of his head but it it ended up sounding cool so we kept it so when he was done everybody rushes into the control room and they're standing up behind me looking at the computer and I was like um this is awesome whatever like let's listen to it so we listened to it through and when that when Cole's guitar part comes back up um I was like we need a sound clip over this that would be really cool and then Paxson was like we should do a radio sound clip like my headphones were picking up since like it was in my headphones so we put it in the song blah blah blah. so i was like oh yeah that would be sick and then isaac was like we should use the sound clip from this video game pt um which is love
1: that fucking game yeah it's terrifying
0: um i don't
1: think you you can get it anymore can you it's like it was a demo
0: Yeah, and the game ended up getting canceled, so um, the demo was then like taken off. Um, So you can't play it, but like if you're listening and you have no idea what it is, you can YouTube a playthrough, and it's just as scary. Like it's it's such a scary game, Um, and of course, I I still
1: have it installed on my PlayStation. uh,
0: Which is crazy because a lot of people were selling their PlayStations. I know that. I had a friend that had PT downloaded on his PlayStation, and he sold it for four hundred dollars. No way! Uh, Yeah, because of how popular the game was.
1: But um, carry on.
0: So Isaac's idea is to use the sound clip from this video game, and um, I was like, oh, that that's brilliant, or whatever. And um, of course, we ended up not being able to use the exact thing because of copyright or whatever, but. Um, the original idea f- was this. So um, we pulled it up. We pulled it up on YouTube, and I looked for like a good enough version of this radio clip, and I found one. So I was like, okay, let's see what it's like. I had YouTube pulled up, and I had Logic pulled up, and I went to the song and started it from the beginning, and we're all listening to it. And then when this when that part comes, I I hit play on YouTube, and Like I said before, it was unplanned, and um, there was no specific amount of time that Cole played this riff. But with this sound clip, it was—it was like eerie how perfect it fit. Like it sounded like Cole wrote this guitar part for the sound clip, and um, like on the record, you hear how the sound, like the song ends, and the sound clip comes to its climax, and then the next song starts, and.
1: It's fucking sick and, and th- spooky.
0: And that's literally how it happened. Like, it was just, it lined up so perfect. And um, I can't, I, I'm not exaggerating. It's just one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me in my life. Um, we're listening to the song with the sound clip over it, and we're all like, we have cold chills, like, we're creeped out. And when it's over, it ends so perfectly. I like sit back. It was like, something out of a movie. I I sit back in my chair and I was like, that's it. That's the song. And like, boom, all the lights went out.
1: No way.
0: Yeah, like all the power, not even just the lights, all the power, like the computer, the like, the huge tower um, that's next to the computer and all the lights went out. And I like literally went into like shock. Like I froze. And um, then all of us were like, I, like, turned around and I was like, fuck you, Kevin, because he was, like, standing at the doorway and I thought that he flipped the switch and he was like, there's no light switch over here. Like, I didn't do anything. So we all, like, like a Scooby-Doo cartoon, we all run downstairs. <laughs> and, um, like, Randy's down there and we thought maybe Randy played a prank on us or whatever and so we, like, come rushing downstairs and we're like, fuck you, Randy. Like, we know that you, like, uh, hit the breaker or whatever and he was like the breaker is in that room it's actually behind the stray from the path flag that covers the back wall um
1: shout out stray <laughs>
0: yeah shout out stray um but the so there's no way that he could have pulled the breaker or whatever and um even weirder than that all the power in the surrounding rooms the rest of the studio really stayed on like the hallway that it's directly outside of that room and all of our equipment in the jam room all stayed on it was just the room that we were in
1: that's fucking crazy and then end recorded like not long after you and they had some fucking spooky shit happen as well which i won't talk about because they haven't even their album isn't even out with the spooky shit on it but they managed to record some spooky shit Yeah, which is like crazy fucking shit
0: because Will didn't know that that happened to us. So like we left, like I said, that was just a writing session and then we were gone for probably six months and then we came back to record the album and he was like, why is this song called In the Walls? And I was like, because of the thing. And he was like, what thing? And I was like, oh, fuck, you weren't even here. So like I told him the whole story, not knowing that while we were gone he was experiencing his own weird shit um that that you'll have to get one of them on here to like explain when the time is right but like the way that it lined up was just like further proving that what we went through was like just not a, like not a exaggeration or like something that we like played up in our own head like it was like actually really scary it was like the only thing like that i've ever experienced
1: it's like, it's kind of on brand as well that we sort of experienced something like it, but it was funny. Ours was just like the ghost going, let's make these guys piss loads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, nothing spooky, just like, let's give them a minor inconvenience. Yeah. Inconvenient piss ghost. Um, I actually had a fucking, something like this happen to me when I was a kid. Um, I was at like, a friend of a friend's house who he was like he lived his dad had like inherit inherited some big like tennis courts, like old school like eighteen hundred tennis courts and um we were in there and you could hear people's shoes squeaking and there was no one there. You could you know like when people are playing yeah. tennis, like when they go to get the ball and they like squeak. And you could fucking just stand in there and you could hear it. Like, every now and again, you would hear it. And every now and again, you would hear, like, the sound of a tennis ball hitting a racket. But there's no one there. And it was, like, 1800s old-school tennis courts. So like, indoor ones. And then later on that day, like, we were in his house... And I was explaining, like, a scene from a film. I think I was explaining a scene from the film Chopper where he, he, he gives this guy 10 seconds to count, uh, to try and get to the door or else he shoots him in the leg or something. And I'm, like, acting out the scene. And mm-hmm. in the scene, the guy just count, counts down from 10 to 1 and then shoots him. And while I'm acting it out, uh, I go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 6, 6. And then, like, freaked out because I was like, I tried to say six once and I fucking said it three times just while I was counting down I went 10 9 8 7 6 6 6 5 4 and I was like whoa that was fucking weird
0: yeah that's scary. that's that's scary in
1: the same the same day as the tennis court shit yeah fucking yeah. cool
0: no thanks man
1: i love love ghostly stuff
0: i do I, I do but it's like um Just to add to that, here in Louisville, we have um, Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Have you ever heard of that?
1: No. Um, So the word sanitarium makes me think of Metallica, which is cool. Yeah.
0: It's a giant um, hospital that was for the tuberculosis. It was a tuberculosis hospital. Um, And hold on. I'm trying to like... It opened in 1910. It's like a two-story, terrifying hospital. Um, but it's like voted one of the mo- the most haunted places in America. And yes. um, when I went to college, it was like essentially in, like right in the backyard of the college. Like you can kind of drive through the woods and, and see it. It's all closed off now and you can't get to it. But um,
1: I'm Googling it now. Oh, my God. It looks fucking insanely terrifying yeah
0: it's so scary and like if you read about it there were so many people dying of tuberculosis at such a high rate that they didn't know what to do with the bodies so on site at this uh this hospital there's like a tunnel that's like a mile long and it's at a very small incline and it was like a chute that they would they would put bodies on hospital beds and just roll them down this tunnel and dump them at the end. So it was called, like, the Death Tunnel. And it's, like, it's in the part of town that my dad grew up in, and my dad and his friends would, like, break into it in the middle of the night and, like, drink and play hide-and-go-seek, and And the loser would have to see how far they could walk down the Death Tunnel before they chickened out and ran back up.
1: Oh, my God. I'm... Googling it now is that ghost photo real. Have you seen that? I don't know. I'll
0: pull it up right now too.
1: the ghost of Mary Lee In the death tunnel. I want to cry that looks so scary
0: (laughs) I Mean it probably is real. It's like there's so much scary stuff surrounding that place and like they've kind of turned it into a like tourist attraction like for around halloween you can do like lock-ins there which sounds it sounds really scary but what they they like decorate it and have people dress up and like i don't want to do that like i want to go there and i want it to look like an abandoned hospital
1: yeah with no fucker there Oh, wow. I'm going to go on a real fucking ghost tunnel. Ghost tunnel, tuberculosis, fucking rabbit hole after this episode. (laughs) Um, Let's not talk that much more about ghosts. Um, I want to talk about... um, How much money you raised for fucking victims of domestic abuse. Oh, yeah. How that, much money did you raise?
0: Um, Very close to
1: $10,000. Jesus.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. It, people really, really stepped up and, and helped us be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it was fucking unbelievable. I'd love to know if a certain band has raised that much i'm not going to name the band but uh no one ever puts the figures out do they? they go yeah a percentage of this is going to fucking this um but you guys were like here you go we raised 10 grand well it, like
0: we didn't um didn't want to like brag about it but when we so we kind of surprised the organization and they were just so like blown away that they wanted us to like come up there and deliver it in person. So we like got one of those like big cheesy checks and, um, we got to like meet them and kind of just talk to them about what they do and talk to them about why we chose that cause to specifically donate to. And, um, they wanted a picture with us for, um, for their website and um so we wanted to post the picture as well also because like not not obviously not in like a bragging sense but in a way to say like you all did this like we didn't do it we um I mean we put the we designed a t-shirt that's all we did it was the people that bought it that did it and like we didn't do like a percentage we did everything that was raised after cost Um, and it was just yeah, which is the way to
1: do it because so many bands go. A percentage of this is going to fucking. And it's like, is it a percentage? Well, fucking, I can give one percent. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying.
1: So, so what's the organization? Um, and why did you choose them? And you don't have to tell me why, uh, Uh, if you don't want to.
0: I can tell you why. Um, it's. So a couple years ago now, actually, we were on tour and, um, Taylor, for those that don't know, my girlfriend is our merch person slash LD, and she's been touring with us for a long time now. Um, and unfortunately, while we were on tour, we got a call saying that, um, her cousin was murdered because of domestic violence. Um, Fuck. Yeah, it was a just very traumatic experience. Um, so, like, I actually left the tour. We both left the tour. It was the first time that I've ever done anything like that but just to come home and like be, we've been together for a very, very long time. So her family is my family and just to be with everybody. And, um, it was a situation that impacted all of us very deeply. Um, even the rest of my band that didn't know her personally, um, they consider Taylor family. So like, it was a very, very big moment for us. And, um, it happened in the month of October, which is domestic violence awareness month. Um, so it was kind of like the idea was kind of birthed then, but it, we didn't really have the time that we wanted to execute it. So we knew that I feel like at least once a year, we try to do some charity based like shirt because like at the end of the day it's like literally no skin off my back whatsoever like you just yeah, exactly. you tweet hey here's a shirt if you want to buy it we'll just give all the money away like you're not taking money out of my pocket and i'm not working like the people are getting paid to print the shirts and then it's just a way to like take advantage of the platform i guess so when the time came again it was like yeah let's do this now like we have the time to like um to put the effort into it that we wanted to, and and we let Taylor pick the organization, and it was actually a local-based organization called the Center for Women and Families here in um, Louisville, Kentucky, that kind of just, like, offers, like, a safe haven for people that are experiencing domestic violence um, and counseling, and... um, They definitely are a, a smaller organization, so something like that could... Could We we realized that something like that could benefit them. And um, the guy, our friend Ridge, that helps us design um, everything that you've seen with our name on it since A Different Shade of Blue came out, including the A Different Shade of Blue album album art, um, he designed the shirt, and I think they did an awesome job. And then it just spread like wildfire, and it was just truly amazing that it worked out the way that it did. And I could definitely see us continuing to build some kind of like support system for that organization, just because it's so important for the community.
1: I think it's fucking sick that bands like yourself who are in like, you're in a big position, you're in a position to help, um, but you're not like, you're not a, political band or you're not like a you know a band that's known to be doing things like this but you're doing more than a lot of bands that claim to be that way and even I noticed this lately in the last few days um I've noticed it like absolute fucking crazy uh the George Floyd shit like obviously a man was murdered by the police um which on it, camera i don't i on fucking camera it's it's a horrible horrible video, but if it 's a shame something like this had to happen, but i've never seen so many people and so many bands that usually stay quiet speak up about it, obviously unrelated to what we were just talking about, but with your band in particular it's like all of you guys like when shit really matters you 'll post about it, even though you might have fans that don't agree with it. Like, I just think it's fucking cool from bands who aren't political doing shit like that. Yeah. I, I guess I've just always cool like
0: see. from a writing side of things, I'm not really good at articulating those kind of thoughts into song. I kind of use, um, writing is like self-reflection, whatever. Um, yeah. but I've, but at the same time all of our ethics are in line and we know that like with a lot of these situations um actions speak louder than words and um it's impossible to not pay attention to it it's just at a point where like you don't have the luxury of not being involved anymore and i think that me personally, I I realized that as like being one of the people, being someone that's like, yeah, I just don't pay attention to politics. I realized that that was kind of, that that was my privilege. Um, and I think that since then I've just made more of an effort to definitely stay on top of things, even though I may not always be the most vocal about it, but I do think that we do what we need to do as a band to establish where our morals lie.
1: Yeah, and like, this is the thing, people choose not to get involved because they fucking, they worry about alienating fan bases or whatever, but it's like, in my opinion, it's your right. Not not even your right, it's your duty, if you have a platform and you see some sort of injustice, to fucking use your platform to talk about it. Like you, you sharing the petition for George Floyd yesterday, 148 retweets, 350 likes. Like, as much as I fucking don't care about social media or whatever, like that is, you know, you you did a good thing there. Yeah, I know it's just numbers, but that's the the reach and the spread from that alone is fucking crazy. I definitely see and, interesting. Yeah, not, it's like, I just think it's cool coming from a band that you wouldn't maybe expect it from. Yeah. I'm just trying to say you're cool, man. I'm just trying to say you're a fucking cool guy. <laughs> well, thanks, um, man. This is, this, is, this got dark real quick. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a real quick, I forgot to tell you this in advance. Okay. So this is going to suck for you. Um, <laughs> you're going to give me your top, top five bands of all time. Oh. Or artists. Okay. Of all time. And then we're going to, that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Unless you've got anything you want to plug. Um, we haven't got any tours. I know that for a fact.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely not.
1: Uh, wait, did you do a show on Minecraft recently? I have no idea what Minecraft is, but I saw that you, there was a knock loose show.
0: Yeah, it was a festival in, actually.
1: In Minecraft. Yeah. Um, how the fuck did that work? Did you send them a live set?
0: Yeah, basically. Um, so like we tour with a front of house person and he had like a full set audio recorded and he like mixed and mastered it and sent it to them. Um, a lot of people thought that we were like actually playing somewhere and they were like streaming the live audio. Um, but no, that wasn't the case. They just kind of like, um, they used, uh, when it was pitched to us, it was like, hey, do you want to do this? You don't have to do literally anything. So we were like, yeah, sure. And like, if anything, it was like a talk. It was a huge talking point because it it, it got people talking about the band again. Um, but they just took old live audio and like animated it in a Minecraft setting, and they like built a stage and a and a backdrop, and you could stream it, or you could actually like if you had the Minecraft game, when you Select, like, what mode you're playing. You get to choose, like, what island you want to be on. And um, this is just from my understanding. I don't personally play the game, but you you can... There was, like, a code that you could put in that actually puts you on the festival grounds. And there were, like, four different stages, and there was a bunch of bands playing all day. Like, I know Movements played and Citizen played. Um, this
1: is insane.
0: Yeah, and the... To me, the funniest and like craziest part about it was there was like a merch tent, like there would be at festivals, and when you would go, you would like click on a t shirt that says knocked loose and it would open up a link to our um like online merch store. Wow, yeah, so you could like uh, buy merch, yeah, it was crazy. What was the cap? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I know that they tried to do it weeks ago and the servers crashed because so many people tried to get on it at once. Um, so they ended up having to like cancel it during, um, and like, I guess rebuild it so that it could handle the traffic, but, um, they got it done and I was like watching it from my computer.
1: That's fucking crazy. Anyway, give me your top five bands. Um, if you can't do top five, give me your favorite band of all time. I will try to it's give you. It's going to be some fucking niche hardcore shit, isn't it? No, all it's, of it. it's five not niche hardcore bands.
0: I could do niche better than I could do my favorite because that's just so hard. I know that my favorite band of all time is Matchbox 20.
1: What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God.
0: Which isn't hardcore at all.
1: I'm t- amazingly
0: surprised. It's a whole catalog of hits. And it's very nostalgic for me. My dad...
1: I couldn't name you one song. Name me a song.
0: Real World, Long Day.
1: Uh, oh Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's one of those bands where I, just, I know the songs, but I don't know who who it's by. Yeah,
0: you would probably sing it too. But... Um, probably
1: fucking could.
0: It's like my dad traveled a lot when I was younger and it it's his favorite band as well. So like when he would come home, he would just be listening to it. I have like a very musical family. So like my mom would be like cleaning the house with all the windows open, just blaring music. And like my dad would always just be blaring matchbox 20. So like when I was like old enough to appreciate music on my own and I like revisited it and a lot of it was super familiar to me and I just like fell in love with it. And it's just consistently been my favorite band for a very long time. Um,
1: Okay, who else you got? Man. I, Sorry, just give me a top three. I didn't give you... I usually give it to people in advance.
0: I will say Hatebreed. Um, yes. I think that... Dude, Satisfaction is a... I like Hatebreed's catalogue. I don't want to sound like the fucking like cool guy only like the first album. I do like their catalogue. But the first album... To me, I, like, find something else that surprises me every time I listen to it. Um, whether it be, like, the lyrics or just the fact that, like, it's just so heavy. And I was three years old when it came out.
1: That is crazy. I mean, I love Satisfaction, Perseverance, Rise of Brutality, and then And then I'm like, I like songs off the other albums. But those three are like back to front.
0: Yeah, I'm probably the same way. Um, I also really enjoy their cover album. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's definitely up there. Um,
1: What's your favorite Hatebreed song?
0: Either Driven by Suffering. um, I'm going to give you three, my top three. Driven by Suffering, Beholder of Justice... Or, um, damn, I, I always forget the name. What album? Before Dishonor.
1: Nice. I think I would go Proven, Smash Your Enemies. Oh Fuck, I think my top three would all be from Perseverance. Is it called for blood on Perseverance? Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: You wanna hear my perser- my crazy Haybreed story? Of course I do. So we we did Warp Tour and Haybreed was on Warp Tour and um have you heard about how they pick their set list? No. Um so I don't know if this was just for Warp Tour or if it's like the standard, but I heard, I found out on Warp Tour that the way that they pick their set list is every single day they open up with "Destroy Everything," and they end with "I Will Be Heard," and then every song in the middle is whatever Jamie Josta calls out. <sighs> Yes. Oh my God. So the band has to know the entire catalog at all times, and every, like a
1: fucking wedding band. <laughs> yeah, and like so they
0: play a song and they ring out, and Jamie Josta goes, "This song is called A Call for Blood," and then they're like, "All right, let's go!" Like, and they just play it. Um,
1: That's so, the sickest thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. So watching them on Warp Tour, you would get something different almost every day, and like you could tell what kind of moods Jamie Josta was in, because sometimes it was like, all right, we're going to play fucking Looking Down the Barrel of Today. Or it was like, today we're playing Kill an Addict. And like...
1: I would like fucking freak out if I was the drummer. Yeah, right? Like fucking pulling out some fucking Rising Sun shit. Drew just saying, well, this song's fucking... I don't know, fucking mad girl or something. I'd be fucked.
0: Yeah. And and they've been a band since I mean, Satisfaction, their first full-length album came out in 96. So like, that's a it's a very long catalog. Um Sorry, my mom just tried to call me. But uh That's all right. I'm going to have to text her and tell her that I'm on the phone or else she's going to freak out.
1: Why don't you just do this? Give me your fucking third band and then we'll call it and you can phone her. Because we're, we're like an hour and 20 minutes. This is this is fucking Lord of the Rings podcast.
0: Well, I have to tell you this Heybreed story, though, because I promise that you're going to love it. And then... Oh,
1: wait. The, the crazy story wasn't you finding out about the set list?
0: No. Fuck. Okay, text your mum. <laughs> so, I, I just texted her. So, um, you watch it almost every day because you don't know what you're going to get. But then... Um, unfortunate circumstances. Jamie Josta actually, um, because of a family emergency, he had to fly home. And I do
1: remember this.
0: Uh, they did a Hatebreed set with just volunteer vocalists from Warp Tour. Um, it was like soft volunteer. Like you had to kind of know them. Obviously, you couldn't just be like the singer of fucking um I Prevail and get up there and sing a Hatebreed song. But uh, so. <laughs> you got to kind of, like, pick your songs. Well, not really. They kind of gave, like, songs that they had to play, obviously. And um, so I got to watch, uh, like, literally once-in-a-lifetime Haybreed set that'll never happen again. It was, like, Vincent from the Acacia train opening the set up with Empty Promises and Last Breath.
1: Josh James did one, didn't he? Josh James did three or something.
0: Josh James did Proven. Um so sick which is so sick. Um the singer from Municipal Waste did Um destroy everything. Um Jesse from Stick to Your Guns did Perseverance and he did I Will Be Heard and during I Will Be Heard the singer of Guar came out and killed him on stage and finished the song.
1: Oh my god, this sounds unbelievable.
0: And then fucking um the singer of Emir was like i'll do it but i'm picking the songs and he did like smash your enemies and uh i think driven by suffering but it was like so funny because like he didn't even try to do haybreed vocals it was just like Emure like when i wake up <laughs> and uh that's crazy yeah it was awesome i'll never see any i'll never you'll never see that again you know what i mean
1: why didn't you do one
0: um so i didn't know them that well i had kind of talked to them in passing and i'm not even kidding as soon as the set was over i walked backstage to tell like jesse that good set and frank from haybreed was like why didn't you get up there and i was like fuck
1: yeah there's no way that they wouldn't have wanted you to do that i saw a similar thing right um lars i saw metallica and lars got really sick backstage and this is like 2006 download festival metallica headlining and i saw metallica play a set where joey Jordison played for like four songs uh dave lombardo from slayer played for two songs it was fucking crazy i can't remember who else played but those two it was like watching metallica play with joey Jordison was fucking unbelievable
0: yeah that's insane
1: i love a good little band a little swap a little switcheroo
0: yeah i love stuff like that just like moments that like are are like subculture in the grand scheme of things is so small but when you people always obsess over the past and like lore and stories from the past or at least i do i love like the history of hardcore and how it got to where it is today so to think about like people are going to talk about like that moment in music like yeah, it's the drummer Metallica couldn't play, so, like, the drummer of Slipknot played, and, like, you were there, you know what I mean? It's fucking cool.
1: Right, let's fucking, let's leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I, top two That's, is fine. I can't think of a third one.
1: Anyway, I It's my bad for fucking, for not telling you, and also I'm so fucking hungry, I'm just going to end up just going, yeah, okay, what's next? Yeah. But thank you for coming. It's been a long time, com- long time see i can't even talk i need fucking sugar uh it's been a long time coming um i'm glad we got to do it i hope we get to fucking hang out soon
0: yeah me too man i hope that things go back to fucking normal so i hope next year things are normal again
1: oh next year will be fine we just got to see this year out okay so what we're gonna do we're gonna do a fake goodbye right now Okay. and then i'm gonna i'm gonna debrief you still on the phone okay um okay Bye. <laughs> bye <laughs>